guessed it, it's time again to shoot the sheesh. And now your hosts, Kevin and Patty. That's right, it's the Puddle Nose Dolphins. For those of you who are new listeners, this is the podcast where Kevin and I discuss mammals that live in the ocean. Uh, for those of you who want us to cover fish, we're not covering fish. Please stop asking. This is strictly mammalia in the ocean. Glad to be back, Kevin. How are you? This is uh, shooting the sheesh. We're shooting the sheesh. I can't believe I messed that up again. I'm sorry. Uh, podcast on Wednesdays. That's Wednesday. Okay, sorry, my bad. Um, it's shooting the sheesh. Also a fun podcast. Yeah, uh, you, know, you know, let's just. I'll just. Okay, let me take it. Sorry, I'm all flustered. Okay, no, 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 sorry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Shooting the Sheesh. Patty, how are we doing today? Um, I'm trying to recover, but uh, I think I think we'll be all right. Um, it's, yeah, it's good. Well, I, I would request that you save the dolphin stuff till Wednesday, but uh, if you absolutely run out of material, feel free to use some of it here. Okay, I mean, I've got plenty prepared, so I, I might have to resort to that. We'll see how it goes. We will see how it goes. So I think this week uh, we thought we would start it off by talking about the World Series. Uh, things really heating up over there. Yep, it's a it's totally stacked World Series uh, matchup this year. I mean, last time we talked, we... Didn't have the for sure matchup yet. We, we kind of thought we knew where things were going. I guess we thought it was going to be Yankees-Dodgers. Turned out to be Astros-Dodgers. Not, might not be as much of a marquee matchup in terms of like the ratings, but still two great teams. I don't know if you saw like first 100-win matchup since the 70, early 70s. I did so that's see fun, that, yeah. fun to see. Yeah, it does feel like the two most deserving teams made it. Uh, the Indians had that late push in the second half, but over the course of the year, I think you could say just – just pure, like, on average, the Astros were the most dominant team in the uh, American League with the Dodgers being some in the National League. So I like that, uh, and I think it's lived up to those expectations so far. Yep. Uh, game one, you know, didn't have maybe the most, like, crazy moments in it. I guess you could say that Justin Turner just continually dominating, hit a, hit a dramatic home run. But, it, you know, it was a good, good pitching matchup, but game two just blew it out of the water. One of the best World Series games that any of us can remember. Um just a ridiculous amount of home runs. I don't. The ball was just like flying off the. Some of those were like opposite field shots that you know maybe not didn't look like home runs off the bat, but uh, it was it was something to see back and forth action. I thought the big story of game two is that just and it's not a surprise, but the top of that Astros lineup is just lethal. I mean, I don't I don't know how you get through those guys, and the the goal for the Dodgers here has to be just dominating the bottom part of that Dodgers line. I mean, that Astros lineup taking care of five, six, seven, eight, nine, because I honestly one through four getting through those guys. zero for four just seems unlikely. Well, it's weird too, because they were showing the stats that they actually really struggled the one and two hitters in the prior rounds. Like they were hitting under 100. Springer was really struggling. Despite the fact that it's Springer and Bregman who are like two really solid hitters. And then obviously you got El Tuve and Correa, like unbelievable one through four. So I mean, the Astros had the best, they led the league in like almost every hitting statistic that you could think of, like on base, slugging, batting average. So it, it really is like, I think, and the Dodgers probably, I would think of led the league in most of the pitching categories with how stacked their rotation is. So that is like, just, you can't really ask for anything more than that matchup right there. And, uh, with that series headed back to Houston, like it's just a total toss-up in my mind. I think a big story from that game, and it has been the last couple of years, but it it always it never ceases to frustrate me is overmanaging again. Mm-hmm. Is that Rich Hill through four innings was looking great, giving up one run, uh, had seven strikeouts, was in his pitches were in the sixties. Like I, I just feel like Roberts is overmanaging, thinking like my bullpen is so good, let's just get to the bullpen as quickly as possible. I kind of feel like it was one of those situations where before the game he had planned on Rich Hill going oh, yeah. four innings yeah. and getting to the bullpen. So even though Rich Hill had been doing good, he's like, okay, this is the plan, he's done. And I don't know, just 
stick with your guys, stick with what got you to where you are now. And there's definitely there's definitely logic behind coaching differently in the playoffs, but uh, I'm I'm hanging that L on Roberts. Well, I think maybe one of the main like causes that's been behind this like overmanaging trend the past couple of years is the first game of the playoffs. The, the sorry, the wild card game last year when. Buck Showalter didn't go to Zach Britton in a tie game because it, it wasn't a safe situation. He just got like crucified by the media and all the fans for saying you had literally this guy had like an all-time historic year as a closer. How can you not go to your best guys? And since then, it almost seems like the managers have overcorrected where now they're freaking out like we need to throw throw our best bullpen arms all the time. Joe Mann's been accused of it. Now Dave Roberts had a pretty egregious use of it yesterday. So, you know, maybe we're, we're going to find the equilibrium at some point, but it's been a little little shaky. Right, but when, it, when a game is so contended like that one does, like the Dodgers were on their last arm in yeah. the bullpen, and McCarthy and a guy that they did not want to hit the field at any point during this series. So even if they were able to tie that on that last hit with a runner on second down a run at the end of the game, like McCarthy was going to have to come out, and I just had zero confidence that he could get through that inning without giving up another run. Yeah, at least once. It so. was totally like overplanned in Roberts' head. Like you can tell, he just thought Jensen's going to get these last few outs, and there's like no plan B. It's like this is what he's out there for, and it's baseball is not that predictable. Like stuff happens, so you can't really play that way. One other talking point from the series I wanted to bring up was Clayton Kershaw. He had a great, absolutely amazing start in the in game one, but uh, I, I just wanted to talk about how he has this reputation for being like kind of. Uh, always a letdown in the playoffs and in this year's playoffs like there's been so much pushback to that on every network and like any outlet that I've listened to the guys on baseball tonight MLB network everyone says like Clayton Kershaw has nothing to prove in the postseason he's a great pitcher like it seems like everyone wants to do away with this storyline but like the storyline exists for a reason. He he has I looked it up. He has a four point two one ERA in the playoffs, which like isn't abysmal, but that's like over double his regular season ERA. Like this exists for a reason, and everyone just tries to act like oh he has nothing to prove. Like it's Clayton Kershaw, get off his back. It's like storylines like this are kind of like a fun thing. Like Dan Marino is an all time great quarterback, but whenever people talk about him, like he never won a Super Bowl. Like that's it's an interesting thing to bring up. Like it. Clayton Kershaw is going to go to the Hall of Fame as a pitcher. Like, I'm not questioning that at all. I, if I had to pick any pitcher to pitch, like, it would be Clayton Kershaw. But can we not just pretend like he's been, like, um, that he has nothing to prove in the playoffs? Like, I, I just don't get why everyone's so touchy about that. Yeah, I kind of feel like it started too far on one end, and now it's moved too far to the other. Like, people were too hard about him being, like, the worst pitcher of all time in the playoffs. With, like you said, it's not true. His numbers are just, like, a little below average in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. uh, versus now people giving him, like, way too much slack. I think there's a happy medium in there somewhere where you, like, you call him out for not hitting those numbers. But I, you got to give him the leeway to be able to achieve it, too. Especially since these playoffs, he's been really good. Yeah, like, I don't think you should manage him any differently. Like, you won't pitch him in game one or anything like obviously you need to throw your best guys but it's like David Price David Price has kind of the same reputation where he's a great regular season pitcher and then he struggles in the big moment so like let Kershaw actually go out and prove it which he started to in game one like if he can shake this monkey off his back that's great but like let's not all pretend like it's some huge affront to him to even like bring it up in the first place oh. no I hear it I, yeah. I hate when like any athlete is protected like that like I know a lot of people say like just because they're famous doesn't mean you just get to like crucify them and I actually argue the opposite I think 
think you do. I think when they get paid that much money and get put on that big of a stage, that's just part of the responsibility of being in that role. Yeah. Like that just comes with it is you are, you know, going in that you are going to be putting yourself under a ton of scrutiny. If you can't handle that, take a desk job, do what we do. Exactly. Start a podcast. People get really weird about it when it's like an all time great, like Kershaw. Like it's the same thing with LeBron kind of like in the, every time it's in the finals, people are like, well, even if LeBron loses, he's solidified himself as an all time great. It's like, sure. But like what he does in the finals is still obviously going to be super important to his legacy. Like you can't just pretend like this doesn't matter. Yeah, totally. And why does, (laughs) why do the two things have to be like, looked at together why yeah. can't you look at the today and be like okay he's not as good now as he used to be Wait, there could be a little nuance there right like, just <laughs> this almost goes back to me to what we talked about with overvaluing players uh versus like compared to who they used to be mm-hmm. whereas like you're looking at you don't just have to look at their career as a whole like you're allowed to take a magnifying glass to it <laughs> Like that is totally allowed and should be done to reevaluate players and say, okay, he was really good then, and I am not taking that away from him. But he sucked yesterday, and like that's fine. That still happened. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like these the guys on like baseball tonight are fearing that the first thing we talk about when we talk about Clayton Kershaw on the future is like, oh, but he can never win the playoffs. Like, no. Like, the first thing we're going to say is like, this guy was the best pitcher of his generation. And then there will be a footnote that like, and and he didn't always come through in the playoffs. Like, let's calm down. (laughs) I think with Marino, it would be like the same type of thing. Exactly. It's not like everyone hates Dan Marino and says he's like the most overrated quarterback. He's still almost always put in the top five of quarterbacks. It's just almost always also noted he never won a Super Bowl. And that's fine. (laughs) Right. So I think well, it's getting a little heated here. Maybe we move on to the next topic, uh, the NFL. Yep, NFL week. What was last week? Week seven? Nah, I think so. I nah, it's kind of hard to keep track. But last week was the week when you're listening to this. It was. It was nah, I'm just getting confused. Last week was the week when everyone sucked on offense. There were seven teams that did not record an offensive touchdown, including both the teams in the Bears games. The Bears, uh, Bears game. The Bears beat the Panthers despite basically doing nothing on offense, just like running the ball almost every single play and relying on two defensive touchdowns to win. It was the first time a team had won uh, with a quarterback completing less than five passes since Tim Tebow. Yep. I saw something, I think the last three times that a team's won completing like five or fewer, all been uh, John Fox was the coach. No way. Tim Tebow, before that, like Jake DeLome did it in like 2003 and now Mitch Trubisky. So it's John Fox football for you. It's been really weird to see because the whole trend with football the past like 15 years has been more and more rules that allow like teams to air it out more and more high scoring and i th- i think it's kind of cool that like th- these types of games are even still possible like the bears have kind of been doing this all year where i was like they're just running the ball so often like is it still possible to win like playing like a 1940 style offense and apparently it is like they've they've kind of gotten away with it the past couple of games and it's been really weird to see the league just kind of like regress back to a more defensive Thing, which I, I, I didn't think was going to happen again. I think it's baffling teams a little bit. Yeah. Like, I, I think teams have kind of forgot how to like play against it. Defenses are so designed to play against the pass now that it's um, it's a change of pace, especially when you're playing against a team. The Bears also had the benefit, and this might not be the case moving forward, but uh, they had the benefit in their last two wins of being totally underestimated yep. with no one expecting anything from that team. Uh you kind of get the benefit of the doubt there. Nobody's really expecting much from you, so there's not much of a game plan to play against. Mm-hmm. And a- another thing that I think is playing into it is we've kind of been talking, it's been like a thread line of the whole NFL season is how there's no like really good teams anymore. There's just ridiculous amounts of parity. Everyone's fine. I, I noticed that like 
this this I guess the last like five years of quarterbacks there there just really haven't been any like absolute studs that have come out like I, I went back to look just because I, I wasn't sure if this was just in my mind or not this quick list the, the first quarterback picked in each of the last five drafts so this year we got Mitch Trubisky who obviously like too soon to tell anything but I feel like he wasn't looked at as like a generational talent he was just the best the best guy in this year last year it was Jared Goff who was really he's been doing pretty well this year but was awful last year and another guy who there were questions about the year before that, Jameis, I'd say, hasn't lived up to the hype. The Bucks been pretty bad throughout his career. Before that, Blake Bortles, who obviously has not lived up to even close to the hype. The year before that... Oh, he looked great last week. He was very good last week, just out of nowhere. And then the year before that, EJ Manuel, who is, like, a backup for the Raiders. So, like, in that five years, obviously, that's kind of, like, a weird, like, sample size, and I'm kind of, like, moving the goalposts there, but it just kind of goes to show you there's no, like, Peyton Manning, like... There's no kind of like Matt Ryan, just like all guy who you think is going to be a perennial Pro Bowl or like all, Jameis Winston could become like a Pro Bowl quarterback. But it just feels like there's been like a weird downslope in like quarterback talent. So maybe that that's playing into it. Yeah, definitely. Um, the one exception that I will say is Carson Wentz looks pretty good this year. That's a good point. Carson, Carson Wentz probably MVP favorite right now. Well, yeah, it's it's that was one, another thing I was looking at is out of the top three MVP favorites right now, I actually looked at the odds. It's Tom Brady. Carson Wentz and Alex Smith. Like, who would have thought Alex Smith and Carson Wentz would be in the MVP discussions? Suddenly Although Alex, Alex Smith very quickly moving out of the discussion, I feel like. He's still, I'm pretty sure he still has thrown no picks this year. He still has like 15 touchdowns and no picks. So Are you serious? I didn't yeah, even notice that. It's oh very, gosh. very weird that <laughs> I think this is the 13th year of his career and he's just randomly having an amazing season. So yeah, like the NFL makes no sense anymore. But I think a lot of it is like, it, it always seems like next year's the year where there's going to be the big quarterback. Like, going into this year, people are like, oh, Sam Darnold, that guy's a can't-miss stud. And then every time he gets to the draft, they're like, yeah, well, none of these guys are really that good. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. I feel like that's always... That's the case a lot for USC quarterbacks. Is they yeah. get, like, crazy hyped up. Like, I remember when Matt Barkley oh, yeah. was, like, first getting to USC, and he was supposed to be, like, the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And then, like, by the time it came to the draft, people were like, yeah, he, he's probably going to be a good backup in his career. It's definitely it's everyone. Cody Kessler is, Cody like, Kessler. a third string on the Browns now. Mark Sanchez, just look at the hype behind him. Yeah, it's Matt literally Lider. every single one. I, I guess that's kind of the case... In, like, the NBA, too, I always feel like everyone says, like, this year's draft's pretty good, but next year's is when you really want to be in the lottery. So, like, I don't know. I guess these drafts, like, insiders just want you to be, like, pumped up all the time. <laughs> yeah, there de- it definitely is in their best interest to yeah. make people seem like they're greater than they are. Um, I mean, the NBA's had a few, though, where, like, like Wiggins is looking pretty good. Yeah. Um, that, Embiid, if he can stay healthy. Well, that was the one draft that Wiggins, Parker, and Embiid was kind of, yeah. like, a big one. But I always feel like they're, like... You know, Parker this one's pretty sucks. good. Well, he's been injured for yeah. a lot of his career, but we're kind of getting sidetracked. But I don't know. The, the NFL continues to be weird and apparently just like re- regressing 30 years into history. <laughs> I like it. I'm for it. I'm for it too. I mean, the Bears seem to be thriving off of it, so won't complain. Well, yeah, so we'll move on to uh, a more topical segment uh, Halloween. We do like our topical topics. Uh, Halloween. Should be coming up any day now. Probably the 31st. I don't know. Um, yeah, could be. Could be. Uh, what, when you're listening to this, Halloween has probably just passed. Or actually, no, it's probably... It's the next day. It's going to be... We are really bad at like projecting yeah, the future. Yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> But uh, yeah, Halloween, I, I don't know. Where, where do you rank Halloween and like your... Does it make your Mount Rushmore of holidays? I, I'm not a huge Halloween guy. Really? Anymore. It's, yeah. it's you're right up? towards the top really? of me. Yeah, just for like nostalgic reasons. Like I, I remember getting super excited for Halloween. I was a big candy guy growing up. Well, that's the thing is like I feel like I've outgrown it a little bit. It, it definitely was one when I was a kid, but I right. feel like I've a little bit... Uh, 
it's, a, it's more of a thing of the past for know, me. Halloween parties are fun, though. They are. They are. Were, were, are you a big, like, costume guy in terms of, like, now or, or young Kevin? I think it's kind of, uh... It's gone up and down. It's been like a curve for me. Okay. In that, or a, I don't know, what's the right word to say? It's, it's like a V. There's, it's, I don't know, there's like a trough in the middle. I don't know. I don't there, know. There what, totally <laughs> has been a trough in that, like, it definitely, probably as a, as a very small child, didn't even know what was going on, I'd say it probably started pretty low. Probably the probably fair for most of us. Right. As, and then it rises up until you hit about like fourth or fifth grade, maybe sixth grade. I'm going to say it might be a sign graph for you. Yeah. And, and, then, <laughs> and then it dropped as I went into high school. I stopped caring about Halloween. I became too cool to care about Halloween. Yep. Um, but then in college, Halloween, it rose again. And it's still, it's still kind of uh, at that height for me. I feel like I uh, I enjoy Halloween parties. People go like all out. You get to see like a different side of people on Halloween because it's like the one time when you're allowed to be like the weird kid you wish you had chosen to be. That's fair. <laughs> uh, I think there's definitely an allure to it now. I, I'm kind of the same in terms of when I was a kid, I thought it was really fun because you, you kind of have a blank slate on your costumes. Like nothing's been done yet. You can just, you know, I, I didn't do anything that was ever that creative. I would be, be like a cub one year, a bull, a bear, and then I'd be like, all right, I guess I got to be a Blackhawk next year. And then I, I feel like I had a bit of a renaissance, like when I had a few creative ones, like junior high. But then, as you say, it gets lame in high school, and then you're like, I'm too old for this. And then, I don't know, I, now I feel a little bit too much pressure, like, uh, I, on my costumes, where I kind of want to go the Jim Halpert route and do, like, the super simple, like, I'm too cool for this, like, three-hole punch patty type of deal. But then again, Jim Halpert, like, kind of stole all those super basic ones. So, like, I don't know, I find it hard to find, like, clever ideas where I also don't have to spend a bunch of money on it. I don't know. It, the name of the game has totally become... What can I do that's the most clever versus the least amount of money spent? Yeah. Like, you're looking for that sweet spot for sure. Um, and there's also, like, you, you also kind of want to be topical nowadays. Like, everyone goes with the trendy ones more so than, like, if you're dressing right. up like a skeleton now, it's like, anyone could do that. Like, that, I don't know, like, why would you do a scary costume? So my strategy with Halloween parties, though, is always to just be in the middle. I don't want my costume to be, like, even super funny or, like, super notable. Oh, yeah. And I also don't want it to be really bad. You kind of just want to skate totally right in the middle and go right under, like, because there's always going to be that one person that just knocks it out of the park. Yeah. There's that one guy that's been preparing for this since June. Uh, he's done his research. He knows all the lines of the character he's portraying. <laughs> like, there's that one guy. You leave that spot to him. Don't challenge him for that. You'll just get your feelings hurt. And then you also don't want to be the guy where afterwards people are like, did you see what Patty was wearing? Oh my God. Kevin, you're, you're striking a nerve with me here. But <laughs> I, I think that might be my problem is whenever I see the super like clever one, then I'm always just like, I get mad at myself for not thinking of them. But at the same time, like in the weeks leading up to it, I'm always like, I'll just think of something like the day before. And then I'm like just scrambling to think of the first thing I could think I have of. a costume party to go to tomorrow and I have not come up with what I'm wearing yet. I'm, I'm a little panicked if we're being honest. Yeah. I mean, that's, I feel like that's how it al almost always goes for me. So maybe making a, a, uh, like Goodwill run soon. I right. feel like that's the, that's the just fallback is like, let's go to pick up some cheap clothes. The beauty of this is there could be a couple listeners here who like will maybe see like a Facebook photo or something before they hear this. Uh, of what we wore so now they could be like snickering to themselves like, man did he totally blow he it he blew it <laughs> <laughs> so what, what are we doing to tie this into sports we, we pick in like sports related ones yeah so I thought what we would do here is uh, just kind of go back and forth I think we each prepared a few of just uh, of the best Halloween sports related costumes uh, and I think we could go broad with this you can go more specific you can go topical more nostalgic, uh, whatever it takes you, I think is, uh, for the best. Yeah. You said the best, uh, sports ones. I feel like that's a pit on a little, a little too much pressure on my list. These are more just kind of like things that I think would be funny. 
I don't know if I actually pulled could pull any of these off, but I don't know. We'll kick it off. Here's here's my first idea. I feel like someone must have done this before, but I think it would be really funny. I I kind of wish that I had done this one. I actually might do this in the future. Um, it's just like the all sports fan. So there's a there's a sketch where Kyle Mooney famous YouTuber, like, it's just a sports fan, but he can't really talk about any particular sport in, 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 like, specifically, he just likes sports in general, so I feel like it would be funny to just go with, like, you're wearing a football helmet, in one hand you got a tennis racket, one hand you got a baseball glove, maybe you got one ice skate on, one cleat, and then wear, like, a basketball jersey, and just be like, I love sports, and then you're just, like, walking around like the, the sports guy, I, I feel like that would, I would laugh at that. It would be, uh, I don't know, it might be hard to walk around on an ice skate, but just be like, I'm, I'm a sports fan. <laughs> no, like, I would definitely get a chuckle out of that. I don't think it would be that practical to wear. That's one of those costumes I'd love to see someone else do. Okay, yeah, that's fair. It would, it, it's more trick-or-treating based than party based. See, right. that, that's, there's, there's kind of a bit of a dichotomy there. Like, some of mine are more geared towards, like, your trick-or-treating days, and this one's definitely that more so than, like, going to a Halloween party. Nice. So yours is, uh, yours is pretty specific there, so I think I'd start off, I wanted to start off with uh, just a classic one. One okay. that, like, the first that came to mind when I think of Halloween sports-rated costumes is the cheerleader. Oh, right. And uh, I think the best thing about the cheerleader is, despite what you might think, perfect for costume for both genders mm. for totally different reasons. Um, I gotta think almost almost every girl or many girls were at some point a cheerleader for Halloween. It's right up there with, like, princess. Yeah, you know. classic costume. Um... And it has the big criteria that I think um, girls earlier on, but guys eventually too, an important quality in a Halloween costume, especially in a party setting, is that it doesn't make you look like a total idiot. Like, you, it has to be a costume, but you also still want to look, like, relatively appealing. <laughs> so I feel like that's, like, the epitome of the cheerleader costume for girls. Yeah. But then you flip that on its head, and I'm sure you know at least 10 people, like, so many guys have done this where you go with the classic irony of dressing as a cheerleader as a guy. So, okay, so I needed a little more explanation on the guy's side. You're saying a guy going as a female As a female cheerleader. <laughs> a classic Halloween costume for, like, seventh grade boys. Yeah. You see it every year. There's at least one. If you, if you ever work the door um, trick-or-treating, you're going to see at least a couple. Uh, always good for a good laugh. I don't laugh. know if I have seen a couple. Really? I've seen, like, my brothers dressed up as just girls in general. I don't know if I've seen female cheerleaders. I think... Anytime a boy is just dressed as a girl, it's, like, such a low-effort costume, but it's still just, like, so funny. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's, like, the whole plot of, like, white chicks is just, like, exactly. guys pretending to be girls is, like, just automatically funny. So, definitely, like, high success rate on that one. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's an easy one to get a good chuckle, especially if you have a sister that's already done the, the cheerleader oh, yeah. costume. It's all that's the where it comes around hand, right? <laughs> that's a good one. I'll go uh, another more general one. I'm a big fan of uh, the referee costume. Oh, so, I had that one in okay. mind, too. Yeah, so I actually did this one uh, in sixth grade. There was a referee in our conference uh, who was, like, a notorious guy. His name was Al the Ref. Oh, uh -huh, yeah. And, like, he had a few catchphrases where he would just be like, tuck in that shirt, playa. And he would, like, he, he was just, like, a, a classic, like, I don't know, neighborhood figure. So it kind of had a more specific tinge to it. But, like, you don't even have to go as a specific ref. Just having the whistle on hand, I feel like it's so, like, in, in a, I did this just trick-or-treating, so I didn't even really get to utilize the whistle that much, but doing it in, like, a party setting would be hilarious, just, like, calling people for fouls. It, I mean, being a referee in, like, non-ordinary situations is just got comedy gold. Um, I will say you could pivot and become an umpire if you're tri trick-or-treating. I feel like that would work kind of better, because you could hold out your uh, box or bag or whatever when they pour the candy in there just give them a steer right like do, do your strike call please the people yeah that's a people so, pleaser uh, so you know you could do a little 
little variation on the theme there, but uh, referee or umpire, basically positions of authority, I feel like solid. No, I like it a lot. The problem for me is every time I wear a referee costume, people just assume I'm pretending to be Ed Hockley. Oh, too jacked. Too jacked, I mean, yeah. I, that's, that is a... Yeah, people ask for autographs. It's uh, it's just tough to get around. You know, it's tough to get house to house. I didn't think about that, but that's a good point. Uh, my next one, uh, this is not one I've ever seen, and it's not even an individual costume. This one is for two people, uh, but I think it'll be a lot of fun right along the lines of what you just said of being in character, a broadcaster duo. Oh, so you do with one good. other person, you throw a couple headsets on, super low effort, you can maybe go a tie if you want to be more formal. One guy's the color guy, one guy's play-by-play. -play. I think it would get a ton of laughs, either in a party or a trick-or-treating setting. Like As you're coming in, you can commentate on the person pouring you in, like, oh, really good form as they pour the candy in, and then the, <laughs> the other guy, you, you could even do a John Madden or be more specific, maybe go more broad and be like, you know, there's been a lot of Kit Kats this year. <laughs> Kit Kats are performing really well this season. Uh, you know, I'm, my surprise pick is going to be the Twix. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah. I, I, I also feel like if you have maybe one or two stragglers, you could get a cameraman and maybe even like a guy with like a boom mic like lifting it over you. This you guy whole, definitely could work more. If you had work. like a whole corner of the party set up where there's like four of you just like make it look like a whole broadcast, that would be beautiful. <laughs> So that's definitely a good one. Um, all right, my third one. This is so this is trick or treating centric as well, and this is another group costume. This is a, a four person one. Uh, I would dress up as like the Jamaican like track team, kind of like the baton team. You know, you could just wear your your track suit. Uh, for for door to door trick or treats, it's still gonna be fine. You're still in costume, but the main uh, focus on this is when there's the someone leaves out the the box with the just the take one please at uh, the front door you know you get you get ready and you like space yourself out across the block and you get one guy one kid goes up grabs it and then you, it's, it's a baton relay and you just take off down the block uh transporting the you know you get out of there quickly which is always key in those situations you don't want anyone catching you stealing all the candy but you want to do it so like now it's playing into your costume totally i like that one a lot and it actually kind of fits into one of the ones i had on my list which is the cool runnings team oh uh, four from, person would be uh, the bobsled yeah the bobsled yeah. actually be the cool runnings uh the fun thing about that one is like at least once a party you all like would do like the prepping in jumping in on the end of the bobsled <laughs> get a couple laughs from the crowd and you wouldn't even need the bobsled you could do like the the soccer celebration we talked about just get that ready right and the beauty of that one and i think this is the sneaky beauty of a lot of these is uh it's an excuse to talk in a jamaican accent all night and it is quite an easy, like, hacky accent to do. You right. really don't need to practice that at all. Right, just throw some on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I have one here that I think uh, you're going to like a lot. Um, Ooh. Not a lot of, you're only going to, only the real sports fans are going to pick this one up, but they're going to love it. Marlins man. I had that one too. Did oh you? Oh my god, yeah. Oh uh, man. Uh, and you're definitely a way bigger Marlins fan than I am, but I, I would totally notice if someone met him twice. Met him twice. Twice. <laughs> Two times, but continue. Both at, Wrigley, <laughs> both at Wrigley? Yes, both at Wrigley. One time I went up and got the picture with him, like went through the whole conversation, told him I was a huge fan. Second time I met him like in the concourse. I told him to stay humble because he's very humble and uh, he, he was, yeah, I huge fan of Marlins right. Man. <laughs> Super easy one to execute and would just be really loved by anyone who knows where Marlins Man is. That's one where it's like a, a low risk, high reward. Whereas like people that don't know it, it'll just be like, oh, okay, you're a sports guy, I get it. And uh, everyone that does get it will be like, oh my God, man, that's genius. Yeah. So the thing I was going to say about Marlins Man is I, th I feel like he hits the sweet spot where when you're going with a sports-related costume, you don't want to be like, so if you're a Cubs fan, you don't want to be Chris Bryant because that's way too easy. You just put on a Chris Bryant jersey. If you're any like main athlete, then the degree of difficulty is so low that it's it's like just a bummer. You really want to be as like a recognizable figure that's not like 
a superstar athlete and Marlins man fits right into that. Like once I was Steve Bartman, right, so that, that just that. fits in perfectly with the whole thing. Cause like, every, like in Chicago, so many people recognize the Bartman costume, but like, they're like, Oh, so that's like a little bit clever. He wasn't just like a cub. So i totally agree with Marlins man. Um, my next one. So one of my favorite uh, things about Halloween costumes throughout the years is kind of what we touched on this earlier. You always want to, you know, girls especially are always trying to like look good in their costumes despite also making them topical. Right. So when the topical thing isn't doesn't isn't really conducive to like a sexy costume, I like how they they still kind of go with it anyway. So last uh, I think I guess this was two years ago was the Ebola thing. I remember I like made a joke and I tweeted like I wonder if one of the popular costumes this year is going to be sexy Ebola nurse. And then there was like legitimately articles where they were, they were selling like sexy Ebola nurse costumes. So my one for this year would be sexy CTE doctor. <laughs> oh, very <laughs> so like, topical. So like this could be his and her costume, which are always popular. If your guy like wants to take it easy and just go as a football uh, player, you can be the sexy CTE doctor and you guys can go into like, if he says something dumb, like gets really drunk, be like, you know, he's got CTE and like explain it that way. So I feel like that could play as a, as ah, a that one's costume. built into explain your behavior. I exactly. like that. Like <laughs> you cut loose. Um, a fun one I was thinking was, uh, just go full suit and just get crutches and tell everyone you're Derek Rose. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is just too easy of a joke. I want a spin off of that one. I thought an entire in injury, an entire injured NBA athlete costume. So like a lot of people have the skeleton costumes because that's kind of a, a, a common one when you're a kid. Right. I was thinking you wear the skeleton costume and then like on your ankle, you put a little picture of Gordon Hayward. Uh, on your shin, you do a little Kevin Ware picture. On your knee, you go Derrick Rose and you just go all up and down like your different injured body parts with like pictures of the injured athletes at that. I like that a lot. The problem <laughs> with that costume and it's a problem with a lot of these costumes is throughout the night, they typically fall apart. Like yeah. that party would just have random pictures of NBA players, NBA players throughout, like the, throughout the party. For clutching sure. their injured body parts. <laughs> Uh, why don't we each do... Let's, uh, I got like one more. Okay, we'll each do one more. Yeah. Um, oh man, I'm torn between a few. I'm going to do another duo though, because I think this one is topical and would be hilarious if properly executed. How about Dennis Rodman and Kim Jong-un? Ooh, yes. Yeah. That's another du yeah, duo costume. I and, like and two guys that are pretty easy to dress as. You just go as like crazy Rodman, just pick one of his looks, dye your hair, get some earrings, say crazy things. Yeah. And uh, Kim Jong-un, you just got to get like a nasty fade. Mm -hmm. uh, get that killer fade. Uh, you got to be short and plump, ideally. I mean, it works best if you're like an Asian and black like friend combo, where your 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 options probably aren't that vast. Like you could be the guys from Rush Hour, right. or you could be like Rodman and and Kim Jong Un. So right for Kim good. Jong Un too, it'd be pretty easy to get the costume down. You just buy like a Doctor Evil costume. Yeah, and uh, throw that <laughs> on, and then just get the haircut down. I actually like Doctor Evil as a costume idea. Yeah, not really a bad really one, though, right? <laughs> uh, all right, my last one. A lot of times, if you're going like as a as a sports guy, people if people aren't into sports, then they won't know what it is. And if people aren't into sports, then they're probably into nerdy stuff. So like they probably know Game of Thrones. So I feel like something you could do is just go as a little like Game of Thrones sports hybrid, where you could say that you're either one. So I'm thinking like you go with, if you have red hair, go with a big red beard, and then like wear a Dodgers jersey, but then also put like a cloak over it, so you could say you're either Tormund Giants Bane or you're Justin Turner. Uh, you know, similar thing, uh, throw on a Thunder jersey, but maybe like tear it up a little bit and you could say you're Steven Adams or Khal Drogo. Do a little look-alike action, you know? Maybe you're either Noah Syndergaard or Daenerys Targaryen. There's a lot of ways you can go. So I feel like, you know, appeal to both sides. I feel like you said that holding up just to make that last, <laughs> <laughs> that last joke. That's Syndergaard, Daenerys Targaryen. Well, I, Syndergaard actually appeared in Game of Thrones, so I feel kind of bad. Like, you know, he was in this season. 
Was he? Yeah, he was like a background. He was a Lannister soldier in that like loot train battle. They literally showed him on screen for like a minute. So I was like, is it really worth that cameo? But so he, so he would probably even be a fan of the costume himself. Yeah. So I think that's. Uh, I think that just about does it for the Halloween costumes. A lot of good ones in there. I hope we uh, hope we inspired someone for. Oh, actually, if it's tomorrow yeah. while you're listening to if this, if you need a last, you got time. Costume. If you we, need a last minute one, we kind of borrow this for you. Yeah. Also, this is not related to any of our topics, but we. Did, I just want to mention this, just like apropos of nothing. You know how I mentioned the when the uh, manager gets fired, they should go in street clothes. Marshawn Lynch just did that. Last I know, week. incredible. Another famous listener. Like, wow, we are really tapped into the the psyche. I think normally we would insert here like the part where you said that, but it was yeah. literally two it episodes. It was literally yeah, just go back and step, listen yeah. to it. <laughs> it was last episode. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, it was last episode. Yeah. Oh my god. The timing was just unbelievable. But yeah. so we're, we're, I mean, we're coming. We're not only helping the listeners with Halloween costumes. We're helping players with what to do when ejected. We're helping the president with. Like, I'd love. I'd love moment. to claim that Marshawn heard the episode and did it, but it, he did it before it aired. Yeah, unless he like has our email password and like hacked yeah, into the I, files. I didn't and, think he was reading my texts. I. <laughs> I guess he might be paying more attention to us than we even knew. Yeah. Well. uh... We'll move on to our more regular segments here. I'm on the rant today, and uh, this one actually has to do with a little bit of one of the costumes I said, the commentator costume, uh, but some problems that I have with real-life commentators, and most notably, I was listening to the Laker game last night, watching the Laker game, I should say, and uh, the Lakers-Wizards game, phenomenal game, probably the best game of the early NBA season, just up and down. The Lakers came back at the end, got a nice overtime win. They looked kind of electric for the first time this season. Um, but what was really frustrating me during the game is the chit chat of the commentators. Like baseball is notorious for this, and something that people always talk about with baseball is that like the commentators get really off topic because oh, there's yeah. so much the downtime. Yeah. But the extent to which the announcers were doing it last night, and I'm gonna be honest, I can't even remember who the two announcers were because I wasn't like paying super close attention to the game, and I was flipping back and forth between the baseball game. Um, and was mostly watching the baseball game until it was over. So really was only tuned in for the end of the fourth quarter and overtime. But they were talking about like their golf game. They were talking about like their kids' costumes for Halloween. <laughs> One of them was talking about like his favorite foods at some point. Are we talking during like the intro segments or like as plays? No, as plays going on. Like things are happening. And like a couple times the, uh, oh, it was Mark Jackson. It was Mark Jackson. Van Gundy. And no, it wasn't Van Gundy. Chris no, Weber? Van Gundy's better than that. No, it was, uh, it was, it was a random guy. I can't remember okay. who it was. The play-by-play or the color? Play-by-play. Mark Jackson was called. Okay, okay. Yeah, and... So just a two-man Yeah, it was just ridiculous. And Mark Jackson was kind of the worst abuser of the two. <laughs> because the play-by-play guy would, like, interrupt Mark Jackson's story sometime to, like, say Bring what it was happening. Yeah. And then Mark Jackson would just, as soon as he stopped talking, would go right back into his story. Wow. Like, maybe he's getting bitter for, like, the, the Warriors' success and just like, you know what, I'm going to do whatever I want <laughs> these days. But it was so distracting. And, like, there were a lot of times where I just tuned them out to watch the game and then I'd come back and he'd be like... Yeah, so I ate three blueberries, and you know my stomach just really wasn't handling it very well. I'm like, what are they talking about? I mean, the life of a commentator—it's like you can go home and talk to your family about stuff, and you know they might not care, but you can broadcast it to millions. You have that option on the table. I mean, right. maybe it's just too tempting for these guys. I mean, maybe I'm going to judge, especially since we've gone on a lot of tangents <laughs> this episode. But that's kind of what a podcast is I mean, about. People are listening to this. I mean, there's nothing to watch here. Like right. you, you're listening to this for our tangents. We had the platform for yes. this. Mark Jackson does not, and I, I was a little bit frustrated being with thrust him, upon us. That was a pretty good rant. I, you're a regular Kevin Durant. I just thought of that myself. <laughs> oh, is that all you? Yeah, that was all me. No one else coming <laughs> up with that. Wow, that's uh, really good. So yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, good rant. Um, I've got a Patty's thing that still exists. Exists. Well, actually, Patty's thing that doesn't exist. 
that didn't need to exist anymore, sadly. This is AIM slash AIM. I don't know. Did, did you call it AIM or AIM? I don't even remember what I, I called it. I feel like it. I said both. This is a little bit outdated because this happened like a f- couple weeks ago. But everyone's favorite, AOL Instant Messenger, it's gone. For my first thing to note about this, like, doesn't it feel like some of these things, like, have been gone for a while, and they just say this, like, get in the news for some reason? Right. Like, I remember kind of, like, when Vine went down, I was like, aren't, isn't everyone already off Vine? Like, I don't know if it's one last, like, desperate ploy to get relevant, and, like, somehow they would, like... There'd be some groundswell to save AIM, but that never happened. So I don't, I don't really understand. Like, if you why had told me that AIM had ended four years ago, I would have been like, yeah, sure. Yeah. I would, there would have been nothing for me to think like, oh, that's not true. I really doubt that if I could, tried to log in like three months ago, it would have just let me. Like, I don't think that was plausible. I don't know why they're saying it's like done now. But anyway, I have a few things to say about AIM. First of all, were you were you on AIM? I was. Yeah. See, like, do you remember what your screen name was? Uh, and a few different ones. Um, my, my most popular one was definitely Yogs33. That was okay. like my always go-to. But I was for a little bit uh, the Chan Man. The Ooh. Chan Man 3 because of my alter ego when younger, Lebo Chan. <laughs> I totally forgot about Lebo Chan. <laughs> yeah, Lebo Chan. I used that for like any time I had to put a fake name. That's pretty good. Uh, before you move, I, I won't give away our current, uh, we have current pseudonyms. But <laughs> we do, we, yeah. We need those kept secret. Um I was patty as board 26, which, you know, it was kind of, I felt like it was in a good range of where I wasn't trying too hard, but maybe it would make people chuckle a little bit. But I also feel like I was on AIM later than most. Like, it kind of differed. I didn't really get on it until eighth grade, and a lot of people who made them when they were in, like, third grade would, everyone would just be, like, Bears fan 23 or, like, like, soccer chick 50. Like, there was all the stupid generic ones. But the thing I liked the most about AIM is I just had to ask you if you were on AIM because that wasn't just like to set you up. Like I legitimately don't remember if you were on AIM. The thing that I remember most about AIM is like not even talking to my actual friends on AIM. Like if I wanted to talk to you, I'd like hang out with you or something. Like I feel like AIM was almost explicitly for talking to like the absolute random kids that I would just have no reason to talk to. It's so much different than Facebook now. Like if you went on Facebook and you were just like, oh, here's a kid I haven't talked to in like four minutes, like I'll just message them, hey, like that would just be an absolutely wild move. They would, if you got just got a hey from someone from our grade school, you would be like, what is happening right now? Like, am I being pranked? But like a- on AIM, that was like the beauty of it. It was like, you could pick any kid and just be like, hey. And then they would just be like, what up? With like, maybe what's up, what up? You could alternate yours. And there was just like a standard conversation. You would follow up with like a, uh, like NMU and they'd be like nothing here either or like homework and like you would th- there would be no reason for you to be talking to this person but it kept you in touch with like the random like kid in your who's not even in your classes that you never talked to and Facebook like I feel like people think Facebook's like the heir to aim but you can't really do that with with Facebook Facebook when you friend someone it's like I'm giving you permission to follow my life from afar like don't try to talk to me you can look at pictures of me you can like you know you you, you feel like you're connected a little bit but like don't talk to me AIM was all about, like, I have no reason to talk to you, but that's the only thing I can do on this platform, so I'm just going to shoot you, like, a what up. So, like, my primary memories of AIM are just getting in touch with kids that I had absolutely nothing to talk to with, and I feel like that's kind of missing nowadays, but, so I'm kind of sad to see it go. Yeah, no, I think that's extremely accurate. Uh, The big thing that AIM did for me in my life is teaching me all the, like, text abbreviations. Oh, yeah. I think, I don't think I, I, I'm pretty fluent in those, and I don't think I would have been had it not been for AIM. Yeah, I wonder if, like, the... It's kind of weird because when we were kids, like adults always thought that was so funny about us when they'd be like, LOL, like you guys say LOL, that's so wacky. But like, I wonder if the next generation, I know, like, what are they saying these days? But I wonder if like in 20 years, those are just going to be extinct because now it's so easy to type on everything that like 
will LOL be a thing of the past? And like, <laughs> I already feel like, like I use very few of them when I text since it's so easy to text, but like, I'll still leave an IDK in there. I have like maybe like four or five abbreviations left that, right. that are just like remnants from that era. But like, it is weird. Like maybe we were just the one generation that will be like, LOL and like NIMBY was our thing. Maybe that's how we can communicate without our kids understanding us. You know, like every parent, like parents always have like their ways of like when you're younger and you can't spell, they'll spell things out in front of you. Uh, Maybe with like our kids, we'll be like, uh, (laughs) like LOL, ROFL, while the kid's doing something stupid. The kid will have no idea you're making fun of them, but you and you and your wife will be chuckling to yourselves. Yeah, they'll just be like, what is this code? Like, what could this possibly I totally think that like this is legitimately going to happen in the future. Yeah. All right, so I think we'll move on to Etiquette Watch. Um, etiquette Watch, I have one that plagues me. This is uh, pretty common, and I think I think it's a case for other people too. And uh, I really don't know what like the proper thing to do here is. Uh, once again, as always, pretty low stakes. Low stakes, love it. But, <laughs> no but this answers. is a. A typically restaurant, usually fast food problem, and I guess it's it's not just I'm in the food industry. A, I'm a it's any of that circuit, any uh, like store setting or anything, and it's saying thank you too too early in the interaction. Oof. So like when you first when they hand you the check to sign or something and you say thank you but then you're also still interacting with that person for a few more minutes how many times can you say thank you before it's just getting out of total you're just too you're gracious just, you're just pandering yeah right like but you also have to be afraid if you save the thank you too long if the interaction drags on too long and too many things are coming back and forth without you saying thank you you seem totally ungrateful yeah that's true too I feel like there's got to be some intermediate, like, thanks is the last one, maybe, like, in the middle, you're just, like, word, or, like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of what what could be, like, on the way to thank you, (laughs) probably not word, (laughs) but uh, it's hard to, that is a good point, because that happens very often, I I feel like another classic with, like, these fast food interactions is when you, like, at the end, you expect them to say, like, have a good day, and then you say you too, but they just say, like, have a nice meal, and then you're like, you say, you say YouTube, <laughs> you which is too. wrong. Like, yeah, there's so many of those classic blunders. Like, I remember someone said, like, thanks for your service, and I said, like, thank you for your servitude, and then I was like, that just sounded awful. So, <laughs> it's not so patronizing. Yeah, thank you for your servitude. There's just a huge amount of for error in there. Oh, that's but, incredible. Uh, I don't know. Did, did you, when you noticed this, did, could you think of any ways to combat the multi-thanks? Uh, I think, I think the proper move is to wait till the end of the interaction to give the thank you. Okay. But I, I have a tendency to say it early. I think just like without even thinking about it, like the first time they do something for me, I'm like, thank you. And now this is different if they're coming and coming back. Like if it's a waiter, totally different. You say thank you every time, I think. Yeah. Um, but like when it's a fast food interaction, you first place your order, they say, that'll be 419. You'll be like, give them the card and they're like, thank you. And you're like, you're welcome. And then they give it back and you're like, thank you. And then you sign it and you give it back to them. And then they, they uh, give you your food and you say, thank you again. That's too many thank yous. Way too many thank yous. Yeah. But I, I totally agree though that it's, it's your standard reaction. I was actually just reading something online the other day about someone's boss, like gave him the advice where they were like, never apologize for something if you don't mean it. Cause that just makes you look weak. And then I was thinking, like, I say I'm sorry all the time just Constantly. just to stop, like, interactions. Like, if, I, if I'm if i walking and I, like, accidentally grab the door when someone was just walking out, like, I'll say sorry, even if, like, it, that's just what I, that's just my go-to. I feel like it's the same thing with thank you. Like, I'm not actually, like, it's just the go-to response. So, like, I don't know. It's it, I, I'm not a super thankful person. I, mean, I don't know. I'm the kind of person, too, that, like, someone could literally bowl me over and I'd probably be like, sorry. I know. <laughs> you know, I mean, just, I don't, like, naturally, like, just, I think it's just, like, a non-confrontational thing. Yeah, I don't think it's, like, showing weakness. It's just, like, <laughs> I'm done, like, I'm done. I don't want to, like, You're ending you. that interaction. <laughs> hey, you're, you're explaining to them that you're not taking offense to the thing that just happened. 
whether or not it's your problem, you're just saying, sorry, you're getting it over with. That's yeah. always how I viewed it. I don't think it was like a weakness thing. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I'm not a huge fan of someone that would think of it as like a weakness thing. Yeah. So. I feel like that's super overthinking. And if someone just says sorry to you, you're like, you weakling. <laughs> but yeah, the, for the thank you thing, I feel like we didn't land on a good thing, but maybe the listeners can, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, throw some it's ideas kind of, at It's us. kind of a tough one. That's just like a classic no-win situation. I wanted to shoot you back an etiquette watch. This isn't, this isn't one that I do, but I, I more want to know if this is a real thing. So the other day I was, you know, I was in a stall at work, sitting on the toilet. I, you could probably imagine what I was doing playing Brick Breaker on my phone, trying to avoid doing work. Um, when anyway, the guy next to me in the stall, just out of the blue, just goes like an absolutely ear shattering. And I like jumped, I almost left my feet that I was so, so caught me off guard. And a bathroom's a pretty like acoustic environment where that's just gonna rattle absolutely. around. And it took me so off guard. And then like two seconds later, he did it again. And I was like, is this guy serious right now? But my question is in general, like loud sneezers slash also loud, loud nose blowers. Like these people exist, and I feel like that's just obnoxious. But also at the same time, I'm not 100 percent sure if they can control that. Because I remember there was a kid in our grade school, Vincenzo. Shout out Vincenzo if you're listening to this. He would every time he would go get a tissue, he would just be like, <laughs> I can't even do. I can't even like make my nose as loud. You need like the tissue to create the sound. But he would just do the loudest like sniffle, and the whole class would just look at him like, Are you just trying to bring attention? You just be like whatever, runny nose. Anytime I would get a tissue, I'd just silently wipe my nose. Like, is that a real thing where like those people are genuinely like sneezing or blowing their nose that loud? And like even sneeze, sneezing is probably different because it's not super voluntary. But you can bury it in your like arm or oh, something. Yeah. So I just want to know is is that an okay thing or like do I have a legitimate case to be upset with those people? I think you have a legitimate case because I am a naturally pretty loud sneezer. Okay. And uh, I just suppress it most of the time, unless I'm alone, and then I'm just letting my baby loose. Yeah. But, uh, well, and that's totally fine. Right. Yeah. And my uh, my dad is one of the loudest sneezers in like the history of the world. Oh, the yeah. man, he just screams hobble hooey hobble hooey Yeah, <laughs> just literally just the top of his lungs. It just it doesn't even sound like he's sneezing. It literally just sounds like he's screaming hobble hooey Yeah. Um, and I totally think he can help it. I've seen him suppress it before. So, <laughs> so it's, it's more, yeah, I guess it's kind of just like a socially acceptable time to be loud. Like you can get your signature sneeze out there and like <laughs> no one's going to really question you on it. But in the back of my mind, when someone does a really loud, I'm like, really guy? Like, But I've also seen a thing do that. Like it's like, it's dangerous to do it because it's a pretty easy way to throw out your back. Oh, you right. know, it's like the classic, like funny sports injury. Right. Yeah. But, um... But, like, that really is a thing. Like, sneezing overactively like that is a good way to throw out your back. Just, like, going over the top with your sneeze. Just control that. My nose is in shambles just from trying to do that Vincenzo sneeze. I, this, I don't know. But, yeah. So, that was my quick one. I, I, I feel like uh, we came to a bit of an agreement there. I think Not so really a real thing. No, okay. not, not a real thing at all. If you're a loud sneezer, uh, like, get that under control. Yeah, get that under Especially if you're in a bathroom or something. Right. So, I think we'll move on to the game here to wrap us up. Uh, my game... I was so inspired by your game last week. I thought it was such a blast that I thought I would come back at you with a very similar game. Okay. But I think Patty's going to be better than me at this, so I thought I'd put a little extra twist oh, on it. Oh, come on. So I am going to do exactly the same thing you did. <laughs> I'm going to list a group of four things. And just like you, I'm not going to tell you what that group is, but that's not what you're guessing. I'm only going to give you three of the four. You have to I fill in that fourth? last four. So you have to figure out what the group is and figure out what that fourth is. Okay. Now, I do think I made these a little bit easier, but some of them are tough. But they're all groups of four. They're all groups of okay. four. Because mine were more just like huge groups that I picked four of. But if they're groups of four, then I feel like I can All of these things are four things. Okay. Or I've, I've narrowed them down to four, like the okay. most recent four or something like that. I like it. Okay. So we're going to start out with 
Carl Yastrzemski, Bobby Doerr, Jim Rice, and... Wow. Um, so these guys were on the Red Sox. Um, that is correct. <laughs> I, they're, I mean, they're Red Sox Hall of Famers, but... Correct. But there's got to be more than four of those. They could be Red Sox guys with 3,000 hits. No, Ooh. Jim Rice doesn't have 3,000 hits. Uh, I don't know. I'm stumped. They are Hall of Famers that spent their entire year, entire career, career with the Red Sox. on the Red Sox. Do you know who the last one is now? Okay. Um, I'm just going to guess Tris Speaker. Mm, Teddy Ballgame. Oh, Teddy Williams. Williams. That's probably the easiest one. Damn it. Right. That's why I left him out. Yeah. But yeah, that's a tough one. That was the hardest one, I think, on okay. the whole list. Okay. Next one, I'll do Germany. Okay. Spain, Brazil, and Germany, Spain, Brazil. So these are all really good soccer countries. Correct. Um, is it like, are these like the top four currently ranked countries? They're not, no. But the uh, last four World Cup champions. Mm. Uh, okay. Oh, like okay. I don't know if you're allowed to. T- if you, am I, are you not allowed to tell me if I guess? I don't know. There's no script okay. rules to this game. <laughs> uh, it's not like the process you're going about here. Okay, Italy. It is Italy. Italy is the fourth one. These okay. are the last four World Cup uh, winners. Italy is the fourth one. Well done. All right. Okay, next one. Uh, Bear Bryant. Okay. Frank Beamer. Okay. Bobby Bowden. And. Okay, these have to be the top four all-time college football wins leaders. Uh, Actually, incorrect. Really? Mm-hmm. Bryant Bowden. You're very close, though. Who is the middle one? Or Bowden? Bowden, Bryant, Bryant, and Frank Beamer. Beamer. They all start with B. Oh, they do. (laughs) (laughs) The last one does not. They're from the south. Uh, This one is actually stumping me. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just throw a, a, another coach that fits in there. Try to try to guess who it could be. Nick Saban. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> this is actually the longest tenured college football coaches. Oh, okay. Uh, Bear Bryant, Frank Beamer, Bobby Bowden. Joe And then number one was Joe Pa. Uh, yeah. Well done. That's a good one. Yep. Okay, next we got uh, my man, Mark Jackson. Okay. Steve Nash. Okay. Jason Kidd. And. Huh. That's another. Man, these are stumping me more than I thought. So those were all point guards. Correct. <sighs> But I don't feel like Mark Jackson was even close to the caliber of Steve Nash and Jason Kidd. Uh, I'll just say John Stockton. Correct. Really? <laughs> and who are those? What is their Are they like the four assist leaders all time? That is correct. I the most no, assists of all time. Uh, Mark Jackson. Can you believe it? I didn't know. I, had I would never, not have guessed that never either. I would have guessed yeah. that. John Stockton has an enormous lead over all of them. He yeah. has 5,000 more assists. But uh, yeah. Okay. And then we'll do one final one. We yeah. got the Canadians, the Maple Leafs, the Red Wings, and... Two teams will fit here. Canadians, Red Wings, maybe. I mean, they're original six, but the thing about that is there's six of them. Correct. Oh, so these have to be the top four most all-time Stanley Cups, but I don't know who would be fourth here. Um, two teams are tied, so I'll take either one. Two teams are tied. Let's see. Who, I mean, it's got to just be like old teams. I'm going to say the Bruins. That is correct. Uh, how about you try to get that last one? Last one. Uh, um, let's go with the Rangers. Ah, uh, no, the Rangers have four. Both of these teams have six. The other team is the Chicago Blackhawks. Black uh, I was kind of thinking yeah. that, but I was like, I don't, that's kind of surprising that that there aren't that many teams that have more than six. I guess the right. Canadians just like ran it so much that yeah, they didn't the Canadians have like twenty three. I think yeah, they didn't la- leave too much room for and the Maple Leafs else. have like thirteen, but none in forever. And neither of them really yeah. have a lot in a while. 
So yeah, that was the game this week. Uh, I love that format. Great format. I hate to steal it from you, but it was, it was just such a good format. I wanted to do it one more to time. To be honest, going into it, I was like, Kevin's just going to do the same thing. But you put a twist on it, which I, you know, kind of surprised me in a positive manner. All right. Well, uh, any final thoughts for the episode today? Uh, not for me. Good, good episode. Another yeah, good I think so too. I think so. We say that every episode, but it remains true. Number 24. Shout out Jeff Gordon. Shout out non-rapist Kobe. Shout out... Brian Scalabrini, shout out Lori Markinen. All right, I think it's enough shout outs. <laughs> I feel like we should do this at the end of the episode. Shout out some athletes with that number. That would be a fun little. little I like thing. that. Maybe uh, tune in next week. We might do it again. All right. uh, thanks as always to our producer, Chris McConnell. Bye, everyone.